0: For the new year, I really wanna make sure that sauning is a big part of my wellness routine, and that's where I'm thrilled to bring in Bond Charge. Bond Charge is a holistic wellness brand with a huge range of evidence-based products to optimize your life in every way. Founded on science and inspired by nature, all Bond Charge products adapt ancestral ways of living in our modern day world. Their extensive range of premium wellness products help you sleep better, perform better, and have more energy, recover faster, balance hormones, reduce inflammation. The list really is endless. If you're interested, go to bondcharge.com manifest and use coupon code manifest to save 15%. That's B-O-N-C-H-A-R-G-E dot manifest. And use coupon code Manifest to save 15% off on your purchase. That's bondcharge.com/slash Manifest. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Manifest with Tori D. Simone. I'm your host, Tori D. Simone, and I have like an amazing episode for you guys today. I have a CEO and influencer of a tech startup, and her name is Natalie Barbu. I think you guys are absolutely going to adore this podcast. I'm sure you guys know her from her podcast, The Real Real. She's also been literally on YouTube since 2011. She is OG as OG gets, and we have a really good episode for you guys today. She's absolutely amazing. We talked all things um, imposter syndrome, how to start a company, business, startup, how to build a team around you. And even if you don't know literally anyone how to get your idea rolling, how to build a team behind you, funding. We talked about like real struggles. We literally talked about everything. We talked about like girl talk, makeup, I just absolutely adored having Natalie on the podcast today, and I really think you guys are going to absolutely adore her as well and just really like the episode. So, Anyway, we'll get on to that in a minute, but how are you guys? I feel like I don't have many life updates for you guys today because I honestly just want to get into this episode because it is that good. So many of you guys have been DMing me saying like, I love the life updates and I'm really sad whenever you don't do them. So I really, really appreciate that. Thank you so much. Um, I feel like I honestly don't have any life updates because I'm still reading the paper palace. I'm still watching Bravo reality TV. I'm still watching Salt Lake city. I'm still watching Beverly Hills. I'm still watching orange County. I still think the same thing about Heather. Um, I'm still wearing yoga pants and I'm still wearing Uggs. Oh, but you know what I am doing today? I'm dog sitting, which is crazy. My, my, parents are escaping the cold and they're in Florida. Lucky them. So, I'm currently in my parents' house right now dog sitting and the heat's broken. So that's super fun. Um yeah. And remember I just said that we're escape my parents are escaping the cold and going to Florida and I'm at their house dog sitting and the heat is broken. That's awesome. It's literally like 16 degrees outside, but it's fine. It's fine. I think I'm actually going to order a an açaí bowl because By my parents there's like this really good acai bowl place that I haven't been able to um, eat since I've like really moved. Anyway, these life updates are super random. So maybe we should just get on to the episode with Natalie because I absolutely adore it. Um, So let me just give a little intro about Natalie. Natalie's been a content creator for 10 plus years, starting back in 2011 as an awkward 15-year-old girl on YouTube. She grew up on her words, not mine, okay? I didn't think she was awkward. She grew up on social media, and after college, she was able to quit her corporate job to do YouTube full-time in 2019. But she knew that she didn't only want to be an influencer, so she decided to use what she learned along the way to start consulting services for brands and influencers, where she quickly came up with the idea for Rella. Rella is an all-in-one organizational tool and app for influencers to run and grow their businesses because let's be honest, It is 100% a business. Natalie founded Rella in 2021, recruited two technical co founders to help her develop the app, and has since grown the team to eight people in just a few months. She is currently learning the ropes of raising capital, perfecting her pitch, speaking to investors, all while running Rella, alongside doing social media as a full time influencer herself, with over 360,000 followers and she has her amazing podcast, The Real Real. Natalie is top-notch. She's as real as it gets. She is super cool, very multifaceted, and I genuinely just enjoy talking to her, getting to know her, and having this amazing conversation with her today. And I'm so excited to introduce you guys to Natalie, the founder and CEO and influencer of Rella. And here she is. Hi, Natalie. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Hi. I'm so excited to be here. Me too. I'm so excited to have you. So we kind of just were talking about like OG YouTube and how we both started in 2011. Can we just reminisce on that for a couple of minutes? Because YouTube is so different now. Like I watched a Smokey Glow video a couple days ago. And she was like, oh, this is what happened in the beauty industry. But like we were really all out here. We were like 13, 14, 15 thinking that we were literal makeup artists.
1: Yeah, I remember. So I started like you in 2011 and I started with makeup tutorials and I I wasn't even allowed to wear makeup, I think, until like 2011. Like I don't even know if even then I was allowed to wear makeup. Like I remember I would get – do you remember like the MAC paint pots like that? Of course. Yeah, that – I thought at one point that those were concealers and I would literally put it like on my acne. (laughs) Like it was so bad. And then I didn't know it was for your eyes. And then like my makeup just looks so bad. I always had like super heavy eyeliner. Like it was not cute. And I thought that I could give makeup advice, but.
0: I know. Like we really all thought that. I remember like once I started realizing how expensive makeup was, uh, first of all, I had no idea. Especially when it came to like MAC eyeshadows specifically, each of them being like what, 11 or $12 when you're like 12 years old is literally the equivalent of like $150. So I remember when I was watching like Star 7 and like all like the big names and they were showing like their entire MAC eyeshadow collection of like 100 shades and like These girls, like, how do they do this?
1: I would always want to film, like, my makeup collection. Like, I so I would go to the container store and I would buy, you know, like the clear case drawers and all of that. And I would just, like, always want to buy more makeup, or I would, like, take makeup from my mom and, like, put it in my makeup collection just so I could show, like, look at how much makeup I have. And it was so bad, but, like, I was obsessed with it and I, like, wanted to, you know, show off my collection that I had.
0: Yes, I just remember like watching makeup collections specifically and everyone's mascara drawer had like a hundred mascaras in it So I would literally buy like the cheapest like essence or elf mascaras And even mascaras that I finished up and I would just save them so that eventually would look like full enough And I would film a makeup collection be like, oh, these are all my mascaras But they're all like empty or one dollar mascaras that i've never touched But I just wanted it to like always look so full Same and now I used to think like, oh, I need a whole drawer. I need a whole setup for my
1: makeup I literally keep all my makeup in a makeup bag now. Like I had never thought that I would downsize that much, but I'm like, I don't need 10 foundations and 10 mascaras and 30 eyeliners. I'm like, I literally just need what I wear every day. Like I wear the same exact makeup every single day and have like two eyeshadow palettes. And that's like enough for me now.
0: Right. Isn't it so crazy? I just like the whole evolution of youtube and i feel like when we all started like back in 2011 we all like lived literally the same youtube life which is I I just like to reminisce on it because I think it's like so cute and fun, but I kind of want to get into your story when it comes to that. So why did you start YouTube?
1: Yeah, I started YouTube because I honestly was just bored one day and I remember I never did like extracurriculars. So I was not like an athlete. I didn't do sports or anything like that, which I was always so embarrassed of, like not having things to do after school. And so I was like watching YouTube and I was watching these girls like do makeup online and they were around my age. They looked really similar to me. And so I was like, oh, I can do that. Like that, that looks fun. Like that looks like a fun little hobby. And I was always interested in like being in front of a camera. Like I wanted to do acting when I was younger. I was always making my siblings do like skits with me and like film on like photo booths and stuff like that. So I just started randomly one day filming on my laptop and I filmed like an Aria Montgomery makeup tutorial as my first video because people told me that I looked like Aria from Pretty Little Liars. And so I was like, oh, that's the perfect like makeup tutorial to do first because I would always see people like recreating these looks and I just became obsessed with it. Like I I remember having 3 subscribers on like the first time I uploaded. I I got 3 people to watch my videos and I freaked out. I was like, "Oh my god, like 3 people are watching my videos." Cuz this is before Instagram. Like this is before anyone like was following anyone. Like Facebook was a thing, but like you only followed your friends or you only like became friends with your actual friends on Facebook. So this was the first time like random people on the internet were watching my videos and like getting to know me. And I just became obsessed. So I think I uploaded like that week, probably like 10 videos. Like I was like multiple videos a day, like just uploading just because I loved it. And then I just stuck with it. And I'm so happy I did because it's opened up so many doors.
0: So many opportunities have come from YouTube. When you said Instagram, like before Instagram, that literally unlocked a memory in my mind. Do you remember your first Instagram? photo that you've ever posted?
1: Yes, it was a picture. I Okay. So I, I don't know if this was the first, but it was one of the first of New York city, like the skyline of New York in like a sepia type filter with a yeah. funny, like, or like a vintage looking frame around it. And I thought when I, for Instagram first released that it was just a photo-, photo editing app. Like I didn't think that you could have followers. So when I started getting like followers on Instagram, I was so confused. I didn't even know like the concept. I was like, what? Like, why are these people following me? Like, I had no idea what it was uh, until like people from school started getting it. And then I was like, oh,
0: it's like kind of like Facebook. So yeah, then I realized. Yeah, that that is so funny. Yeah, I remember I was in eighth grade when Instagram came out and I was like, oh, this could actually be like kind of game changer for YouTube because now like we had somewhere to talk to subscribers and stuff because like you said, like before it was all just like channel comments on YouTube, like very OG, very OG interactions. So well, it was definitely a different time.
1: But you're smarter than me with thinking about like, oh, this can be a place for people to like comment on YouTube because I was so embarrassed in my like at high school about my YouTube channel and I didn't ever want to share it. So like if people found me on Instagram from YouTube and like comment on my video or comment on my post, like, Oh my God, I love your YouTube videos. I would delete their comments because I like didn't want people from high school seeing that I had a YouTube channel. Like I would, so I would get all these followers and people were like, why do you have so many random followers? And I was like, I don't know, like, that's weird. Like whatever, you know, but no way. I would literally delete their comments. Like I I should never have done that, but I was just so embarrassed. <laughs>
0: And no one knew like all throughout your high school years?
1: They started finding out after like a year into it, um, my senior year. And I got like, not like bullied or anything like that, but I was like teased and, you know, people would like yeah. make fun of me and I just felt so insecure about it. So I like stopped posting for a little bit. Like I like only posted a few videos that year because I was like so insecure, but I'm so happy that I didn't like fully stop ever.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I totally can relate to that. It is hard in high school, especially because it's like your whole world then, right? So if anyone finds out anything even remotely, like embarrassing or cringy, it feels like your whole world is tumbling down. Like I completely remember that feeling, but – I just got to a point, I think it was like my sophomore year, once my videos started like picking up and doing well and I was traveling with them um, and like going to like conventions and playlist lives and stuff like that. That's when people, I mean, still like would tease me and stuff, but it was to the point where I was like, well, I feel like I'm like making money. Like I have a fun job out of it. Like, what are you teasing me about? Like, you know what I mean? So I'm really glad that you did stick with it. So when was that like transitional period where you were doing it for fun, where you could start kind of making more of a living off of it?
1: Yeah. So in high school, I was not making money yet. I started my sophomore year of high school. And then those like two years, I really two, three years, I really wasn't making any money besides AdSense. And like AdSense wasn't like that big of a paycheck It was maybe like 100 dollars here, 200 dollars there, you know, like not too much. Um and then once I got to college, I started getting brand deals and I got a manager and I got, you know, like I started getting higher paying things and that's when I realized this could be a business and I started realizing it because I remember watching like Claudia and Aspen and those were like my two favorite YouTubers at the time and I remember they moved to LA and they like didn't go to college and I was like, "Oh my god, if people cannot if people are like choosing not to go to college and like moving to LA, there must be so much money in this. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to start taking this really seriously from now on. And so in college is when I started making money. And then once I graduated college, I actually had to get a full-time job um, because I wasn't making quite enough to like fully support my lifestyle. And so then nine months after um, I got that job, I was able to quit and like do it full time. And I've been doing it full-time for like three years
0: now. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash manifest. Just go to Indeed.com slash manifest right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash manifest. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. For the new year, I really want to make sure that sonning is a big part of my wellness routine and that's where I'm thrilled to bring in Bond Charge. Bond Charge is a holistic wellness brand with a huge range of evidence-based products to optimize your life in every way. Founded on science and inspired by nature, all Bond Charge products adapt ancestral ways of living in our modern day world. Their extensive range of premium wellness products help you sleep better, perform better, and have more energy, recover faster, balance hormones, reduce inflammation. The list really is endless. So from blue light glasses, light therapy, to EMF management, and circadian-friendly Where was the job? Like, was it like, if you don't want to say like the exact job, just like what field was it in?
1: No. Yeah. I always share it. Um, It was at Accenture. So it was in consulting. Oh, yeah. So I studied engineering in school. So it was very different than... Like what I did on YouTube. But when I got the job at Accenture, I knew I was not going to be there long. I was like, this is, I'm going to quit whenever I make enough money to like make equivalent or a little bit more of what I'm making at Accenture, then I'm going to quit. And I was able to do that. So that was really exciting.
0: That is really cool. And I also think it's really cool that you have the corporate experience. Um, Because I feel like now with Rella, it can be translated really well into that because you have the corporate training, you have the corporate background, and you kind of have like an understanding of how the corporate world works, which is something that I really wish I had, to be honest. Um, So let's get into Rella because I... I'm so enthralled by you and so genuinely fascinated in it. Like I feel like at my core, I'm an entrepreneur. So I love talking to other entrepreneurs and like, just honestly, I could talk about it for hours. So for all of my listeners... Because Rela is relatively new. Can you mm-hmm. explain what it is?
1: Yeah. So it's an app that we just launched. And it's an all-in-one management app for influencers to run their business. So right now, we just launched pretty much our MVP, our version one, where you can manage all of your social media platforms, your notes, your drafts, your earnings, all of that in your goals in one place. And it's specifically made for content creators because before I was using like project management tools or, you know, random, like I was using like five different apps for like different platforms to really like plan out my feed or like do it using like Google calendar and like click up and like all of these other tools that weren't made for social media. Like they just weren't optimized for it. And I had always wished that there was something that like could track my revenue and track my sponsors and keep everything organized in one place and like have my content calendar with all of my like media uploads on there and like my media kit and all all of this stuff like i just wanted one place for that and so that's when i was like okay I'm gonna try to build this because I really want something like this. It would be so helpful for me. I was also like helping other content creators with their like managing their business. I was like giving them tips on how to grow and like giving them tips on like how to work with brands. And like during that process, I was like, why isn't there a tool that helps with this type of stuff? And so I decided to do it. And I'm really similar to you, where like I'm very entrepreneurial and I kind of just like jump in to. Whatever I'm thinking, like, I'm like, oh, I want to do that. Like, let me try doing it. And so once I started like researching and like writing it out and planning it out, just kind of snowballed and started actually doing it.
0: (laughs) Yes, I love that. Okay. Literally, let's start square one, like day one. How did you do this? Because opening a business, like I opened a brick and mortar, that's one thing, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But a tech company is a whole beast in and of itself. So like, where do you even start?
1: Yeah. So the first thing I did was I had a document on the Google Docs and I wrote out every single thing I wanted this to be like very, very granular. I was like, okay, this is the overall, like what I want this app to be. This is the audience. This is, you know, my target demographic. This is like price point or like plan for how I'm going to monetize it in the future. And then this is like every single feature and everything that I want on it. And it was just like a long brain dump. Like it didn't really make, it wasn't that organized. It wasn't that clean and pretty, but it was just like a brain dump of things. And then with that, I was like, okay, I don't know how to code. I don't know how to do this. Like I literally know nothing about apps. So I would just research like how much does it cost to build an app and like how much, um, like how do you build an app and all of this stuff. And I pretty much came to the conclusion that one, it's, is so it varies like it totally depends on how much it costs. Like there's a Google search is not going to tell you exactly how much it's going to cost. And so I started talking to developers. So I started just like going on these websites that had developers there and like asking them questions like here's my plan, here's my business proposition. Like, what do you how much do you think this is going to cost? Do you think you're able to do this? And I would just talk to them and like a lot of the times with the developers that I talk to, I could tell that it was very much just like they were doing it for a project and like kind of like passing it off, and that's it. And I really wanted this to be a business. Like I wanted this to be the first step and I wanted it to grow from what I had originally planned. And so I started asking friends, I was like, Do you know anyone that can develop apps? Like I was. I went to an engineering school, so I was like, there has to be people here that like know how to do this. So I started asking my friends, and then one of my friends recommended me and told me that his friend started like a software consultancy um, where he develops apps. And so I like had a call with him. I felt I felt like he like really understood the vision, really understood what I was doing, wanted to like help it grow and build it from like the design process to you know actually developing it um, and like helping out with the business. So we started working together and when we started working together we just worked like really 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 well together and so we ended up forming a partnership with him and one of his co-founders so now i have two co-founders and they're technical and they're doing the development but it was really in the beginning just like a brain dump and then talking to as many people as possible because i had no idea what i was doing
0: i love that and i think everyone always hears it's always about who you know not what you know and you really honed in on that and i mean having co-founders is incredible, especially for a startup, because it it's like the best way to start with delegating mm-hmm. because you have a specialty and they have their specialties. And I love that you have co-founders.
1: Yeah. And I thought in the beginning that I didn't want co-founders. I was like, I don't want co-founders. I'm going to do this on my own. I mean, everything that I've done has been on my own, you know, like social media, it's a solo job. Um and anytime I was doing like consulting services or like helping other creators out with different things, like I was doing everything on my own. And so to have co-founders, I was just so scared that I was gonna release control or like they're not gonna understand or they're gonna like not do it right the way I want to do it or I don't want to like give up part of my business, you know, and give up equity. But once you get into it, especially in like the tech startup field or world, it is so difficult and there's so much that you don't know how to do that I think it's just impossible to do everything on your own because you have to do admin, marketing, tech, all of this. Like, Yeah, you can outsource the tech obviously, but like, you want to have someone internal that does that and you want to have someone that like really understands your business. So I don't know, for me, it was just such a no-brainer once I started getting the ball moving and seeing how much work it was. I was like, oh my God, yeah, I need co-founders.
0: Yeah, and now you have a team. How did you build that team cuz you kind of just started getting into like you know there's marketing there's this there's that so how many people do you have on your team now
1: There's 8 of us total So That's amazing. Thank you. Yeah, there's 8 of us not everyone's full time um but really what we did was we started out with like just the bare minimum of like who we need you know you don't want to start from like 0 to 8 so first thing we needed obviously was the developers, which we had those. Um, then the next thing we realized we needed were designers. Like who is actually going to design this app? Because, I mean, they're technical, but they're not like, they don't know have the eye for design for an app. So they actually knew designers from NC State, which is the school that I went to, um, and that they were helping them out with some projects. And they're like, oh, they'd be like good for this project. So it was kind of going to be like a project thing at first um, where they were just helping with the design and that was it. But once we started working together again, it was like, they were such a good fit so we just continued to work with them and now they're just like a part of our team and a part of rela um so designers were the first people that we hired and then because we are a small team the designers kind of also morphed into marketing and i've done a lot of marketing so it's kind of like you have to wear many hats you know i feel like you can't just be oh you're only doing this you're only doing that it's like everyone kind of is all hands on deck in the beginning And then we slowly started adding someone for influencer marketing to help with like influencer marketing, PR, press. She's um, part-time. She's not full-time. And then we also have another developer that we added on too. So we had to add another full-time developer just to scale and like grow it as quickly and like release things as quickly as we can.
0: Yeah. And give me the timeline. So you guys launched last week, right? Yeah. We launched January 18th. And we
1: started working on this. I texted Connor, which is my co-founder, about wanting to meet with him September 29th. I think it was. So it was the very end of September. Wow. Of tw- 2021. No, 2020. Oh, like, okay. Was- I was gonna say, wow, that was so fast. <laughs> no, 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 2020. So that's when we started talking, and then we started like working together. I would say in like October, and that was when we were just kind of like before any like anyone was coding. It was just like, okay, let's get the designs. So we started doing the design work and the design work was finished by Thanksgiving, I remember. And then in the new year, we started actually like developing the app and setting up the infrastructure for that. So it started being developed at some, I don't remember the exact month, but at some point in the
0: new year. Yeah. So I want my listeners that are listening to this episode to not feel discouraged if they don't know the right people right? If they have an idea, if they have a dream and they're like, oh, well, Natalie knew the right people, but I don't know the right people. What is your advice to our listeners that maybe don't know the right person, but have a dream and want a team around them and they need to start building that team?
1: Yeah. And I think it's so important because you, I really didn't know them until I started talking to other people. So the number one thing I would say is talk to people. Like, talk to everyone. I would reach out to people that I didn't know that I saw some like mutual connection on LinkedIn or some like definitely get LinkedIn. LinkedIn is super, super helpful with this, but I would look up like a job or like a description on LinkedIn and see who like worked in that sort of like field that I wanted to talk to. And I would just reach out to them and be like, Hey, can we just talk for like 15, 30 minutes? Like I have an idea. Like I would talk to founders and like um, dev people, like developers and all of these like random people that I was just curious about their job and about what they do. And I would just set up like 30 minute calls and it always leads to something else. Like at the end of every single call, you always want to ask, do you have anyone that, that you think I should talk to? Because people are willing to help. That was one thing that surprised me the most is like, people are so willing to help. And I just like never expected that. Like everyone's like, Oh my God. Yeah. Like I'll set up an intro to so-and-so and and -and so-and-so. So it just starts with reaching out and you don't have to know them. It's not like you have to get a warm intro. You literally can DM them, message them, email them, whatever it is, and just be like, hey, I have this idea or, you know, I'm thinking about doing this and I just love to talk to you about, about it because I have some questions and doors will open if you do that.
0: Yes, cold emails, cold messages, cold DMs honestly is the way to like open the doors. Now, would everyone respond or would you get more no's to yeses, or what was that ratio like?
1: Most people don't respond. So it's kind of discouraging because most people will leave you on read or they won't open it or they won't see it. But all you need is like one person to say yes and then they can introduce you to someone else. And once you have that like warm intro where someone's introducing you to someone. The person's not going to say no, you know. So you'll start getting yeses from there. But I would say that's been the biggest thing—just talking to as many people, and especially like we're fundraising, so we're raising money for Rella. And I don't know a single investor. Like to me, that was like I had no idea about what raising money meant, about how you do that. Like what is a pitch? Like I don't even know. Like do you have to have, have like a formal deck? Do you like just talk to people? Like I had no idea any of that, and neither did my co-founders. And We just started talking to people and like, I have spoken to hundreds of people at this point because I will just talk to anyone now and anyone who will listen because I never know who they're going to introduce me to. So I'll take any call. I'll reach out to anyone. I reached out to, um, it was like the ex CTO of MySpace, And he was, so he's like one of the, C suite executives of MySpace at the time. And now he's the CEO of this other company who's literally raised like millions and millions of dollars. And I've had like multiple calls with him just because I reached out and I was like, this is a long shot, but I'm going to (laughs) try.
0: Yes. And good for you. And I hope that anyone that listens to this podcast honestly hears that and realizes that they too can do that. You know, like we're not special. We're not, we don't know a million people. You know, you just have to get your foot in the door in any way you can and be be kind of persistent. And I think it's amazing that, that you got in, in touch with um, pretty much whoever you could. It's, it's very inspiring to hear. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. Now you did mention, um, funding and I definitely want to get into that. So how did you do it? Like, did you, do you have an angel investor? Did you find investors? Is it loans? Did you fund it? Like what was the process of the funding look like?
1: Yeah. So, we currently have like angel investors that have invested um, in Rella for like our convertible note round, which was pretty much like we didn't have a valuation, so we did a convertible note um, where people could invest, and so we did that. We raised a little over a hundred thousand dollars with that, and then now we're opening up a pre-seed round. So we're trying to actually talk to like venture firms and venture capitalists and bigger angel investors or angel investors with bigger check sizes, um, so that we don't have to fundraise again for like a year and a half to two years. So that's the process we're going through now with the angels that we did have. We reached out to a lot of our like university, um, connections and friends and family. So I invested personally a little bit. Um, and then I know we had like someone, one of our co-founders, Talk to someone who knew someone who we spoke to. Like it was all just like connections and asking people um, if they'd like to invest. And we were doing like small check sizes. So it was a lot more like realistic for people to invest. And it was just like friends, family,
0: and random connections just through talking to people at first. And what was in exchange for the small checks? It wasn't equity, was it? Or was it?
1: So a convertible note is pretty much debt until it turns into equity. So it's going to turn into equity at a discounted rate, but we didn't have like a valuation. So we can't say like, oh, if you put in this much money, you'll get 5% because we didn't evaluate evaluate it yet. Valuate it. I'm like still bad with the terms, which is not good. (laughs) But um, yeah, so you pretty much, it turns into equity in about two years or at a 5 million valuation cap. So it's going to turn into equity in in the future.
0: I love that. So what's it been like being a CEO? Because going from influencer to founder to CEO, I'm sure it's been a huge learning curve.
1: Yeah. So how's it been? It's been like really stressful. I'm not going to lie because I still obviously post like on social media and that's still like a Full time job of mine. So I kind of feel like when I used to work for Accenture and I was doing social media full time and like full time corporate work, I feel like that now where I'm like full time Rella and also full time social media, except I obviously have more flexibility. But it's just been hard because sometimes I get like really bad imposter syndrome. So that's been one thing. I feel like, what am I doing with a team of eight and like building this and speaking to people, asking them for like hundreds of thousands of dollars? Like, I'm like, I, am i okay like am i meant to do this um and then it's also just pressure cuz like we're paying people now too and like people are on our payroll and we have you know like we're supporting them like that's really really scary i've never had to do that before so it's been honestly i will say really stressful but really really rewarding too cuz i'm like the fact that the app is out there and like people are using it and people are giving us feedback and people are liking it i'm like oh my god this is like the best feeling in the world
0: yeah. And I just have to say, I use the app and I absolutely adore the app. Um, It's amazing. Thank you. And you're so welcome. And you brought up two incredible points that I absolutely want to talk about. First is imposter, syndro- imposter syndrome, which I actually want to get to second. But the second thing is having a payroll and having people depend on your payroll. It is terrifying.
1: It's so scary because like – Yeah. This is people's lives and – Yeah. In your hand. I mean, not like actual lives, but like their livelihood is based on you and your performance. And you have to make sure that you are keeping the business afloat and that you are making the right decisions and it's on you. And so that is something like none of us take lightly. And so we're so appreciative of our team and we like love our team so much. And It's one of those things that I'm like, I can't believe that people even like want to work for Rella. It makes us so happy. Like it makes us equally as happy that people love working for Rella and want to work for Rella as like people are using our app. Like it's like the same satisfaction because we want to have like a good company culture and a good team and people that like believe in us. We don't want to have high turnover and like people that like don't like working for us and stuff. So like company culture and customers are like the same exact level for us, I'll say.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I love that. And creating a, a good, strong internal community is key with any mm-hmm. business. So it sounds like that's really at the top of your party list, which is amazing to hear. Yeah, I just remember like when I was hiring for Stride specifically, and not even like my instructors, but like when I would have like the front desk girls that are typically all in high school, they're, you know, interviewing and they're thinking that this is just like a part time job, which of course to them it is. But to me, I'm like, oh my God, I have to like, pay these girls and they think that like this paycheck is just coming into them but like it's only if like the classes fill and x y and z like everything has to fall into place obviously we don't miss payroll but it's you get a whole different perspective and it is so scary
1: Mm -hmm. and it's also like you don't realize how much everything like costs and everything is until you're on like the back end of things like I was like wait, I didn't realize, and this might be stupid of me. Maybe everyone realizes this, but I didn't realize that like payroll taxes, like the employer has to pay payroll taxes and taxes get taken out of the employee's paycheck because they also have to pay taxes. I'm like, so this is double taxed. Okay. I did not know that. (laughs) I was like, like before looking into it and doing it,
0: I was like, Oh my God. Wow. I did not realize how expensive it is just to have an employee. Just to have an employee, yes, you have the double tax, or you then also have to pay for like an accountant if you have an accountant or a payroll service. Like, there are so many expenses to literally just have employees. Yeah.
1: Legal expenses, which can be so expensive. Yeah. It's it's insane the amount of money that like you have to be so careful with your budget and so careful with what you spend on, especially in the beginning. Like, every dollar, I'm like, wait, where's that going? Like, like, yes. Why did we, why did, why is this a charge? Like,
0: Yes, and I remember when Stride was getting funding, Um, I think our first round, we got, well, okay, so our first two checks that we got, we got two checks for 50000 so it was $100,000. And I remember that money was literally gone within a month. Mm-hmm. And I was like, where is this money going? Like it just flies out the door because there are so many expenses that you don't even think about. Like, I think, like half of it went to, like our security deposit and rent and the other half went to our contractor's security deposit. And we had like ten thousand dollars left. and we're like, oh my God, we need more money.
1: Yeah. It's insane. How many rounds did you Something. raise if you don't mind me
0: asking? Yeah. So we didn't do it like it was very much so a brick and mortar, like mom and pop startup. So it wasn't like a big thing. But I think we ended up getting series of three checks. So I guess you could call that three rounds. Yeah. And we needed about $550,000.
1: Yeah. Okay. No, I mean, brick and mortars yeah. are so expensive because of the
0: overhead. Like, oh my God, yeah.
1: The overhead is insane with brick and mortars. That's one thing. We're a remote team. So I'm so happy we don't have like rent expenses, we don't have equipment expenses. Like, everything is really contractors or like payroll. Like, everything is people.
0: Right. And I feel like obviously the pandemic is totally shifting the whole brick and mortar industry, which I'm very interested to see how it plays out over the next couple of years. That's a whole other episode in and of itself. But I do want to get into imposter syndrome because you brought that up. And I know so many people experience it. And I also go through it as well. What way do you feel it in the sense of being a CEO or talking to people, having a team? How do you experience it?
1: I would say, one, when I call myself a CEO, that's one huge imposter syndrome. I'm like, oh my God, like, what the heck? Like, that's like Jeff Bezos is a CEO, not me. You know, I'm like, (laughs) I'm like, what? Um, And then also in... Meetings, I don't think I show it, which I think is a good thing. And I'm good at like being confident in meetings and like kind of turning it on and like being very, very confident when I'm like presenting and talking about Rella. But internally I'm like, oh my God, like I'm 25 years old. I am the CEO of this company. I've never founded like another startup before. Um like what are they thinking of me? You know, because I'm usually speaking to people that are much older and you know, generations different. So that's that's when I feel it the most in those meetings, and then whenever I just like call myself CEO, like if I ever sign off something or say like title, and it's like, "What's your title?" I'm like, "Oh my god, like,
0: am I really putting this?" Am I really? Yeah. So when you are in meetings with older people, do you feel like they don't take you seriously?
1: So sometimes I feel that way, but then I always I use it's usually in my head. Like I usually they do take me seriously, but it is one of those things where. I've spoken to some people that don't understand the influencer or social media space at all. So it's like, I'm educating them on the space while also talking to them about my product and why it's great. So I think that's when I get a little nervous because I'm like, oh my God, the first impression, if they don't know anything about the industry, their first impression is an influencer like, oh, like what do they actually do? And so that scares me a little bit. But I think once I get the education part out of the way, and once I like really explain to them that it's such a viable business and there's so much money in it, they, they take me up more seriously. Like I haven't ever received any disrespect. So like, I've never had anyone disrespect me in a meeting or like be really rude to me or like talk down on me. Like I I haven't experienced that at all.
0: Yeah. And one of the best pieces of advice my dad's told me. My dad's been an entrepreneur his whole life. So when I started in the space, he told me because I was going through the same thing. Like a, I was 19 when I started. How old were you? Were you 23 or 24?
1: I guess in 2020, I was 24. No. Tw- yeah. 24. 24.
0: 24. Yeah. Yeah. Very young. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it is kind of hard to be taken seriously when you're that young. But when you're confident in what you have, and when you realize that, like, you are the expert of your own product and you are the expert of your business, and whoever you're talking to, they need you to explain it to them. You are the expert. And once I realized that and understood that, I really felt a lot more confident in myself as CEO, as founder, as boss, as whatever it might be. And that's just like advice that I would give not only to you, but like to listeners is like, once you just realize, like, I'm the expert, people need me to explain this to them so they understand my product. Like, it really does help with confidence and imposter syndrome all around.
1: Totally. And that's what I felt. I'm like, wait a second. I'm the one that's been in this industry for 10 years, that knows the ins and outs of social media, that has made a lot of money on social media, that can see that it's a business. Like, I'm, you know, so like, I'm the industry expert. So that does like, bring a lot of confidence. I have like a very similar story to you too.
0: Yeah, you totally are. And how has it been having a team? Like, do you feel like their boss? Do you feel like their friend? Is it hard to distinguish the two? What's that been like?
1: That's been actually really hard to distinguish the two because obviously when I hire people, I want them to be like a good fit and I want to be able to like be friends with them as well. And we're a very young team. Like I, our front end developer is 31. So he's the oldest one. But I'm the oldest after that, you know, like my co-founders are younger than me. I'm by like two years, everyone else is like one to two years younger. So I'm the oldest one, but I'm still like the same age as everyone else, I feel like. And so we're very friendly with each other and we're we're all friends. And like, especially being the small of a team, like me and my co-founders are like such good friends now. And like, we'll like go out together and have fun together and like joke around together. And then like, with the rest of the team we will, you know, talk about things that aren't necessarily work-related sometimes and like be more friendly. But then sometimes I'm like, okay, I need to make sure that it's you know, we're friends, but it's also like a working relationship too. So that's been kind of hard, but luckily no one has ever like, did not, you know, like not done something because like, oh, we're friends, like it's fine. Or like not been like good at what they're doing. So as long as people are like good at what they do, then I think it's fine. And I don't, I like, I, I want to be able to be friends with them. So that's just been the biggest thing. Cause in the past, sometimes I've had people that like, Oh, we'll work together, but then we're like too friendly and then they like don't do anything and i'm like, oh my god Now this is awkward
0: (laughs) Yes, and then when you have to like I don't know if you've ever had to like fire anyone but having to fire someone that you like consider a friend is The weirdest feeling in the world and someone told me once like you have to be good at hiring, but you have to be better at firing
1: I've never fired anyone and I am hopefully never I mean I know i'm going to have to but I hope I I never have to fire I hope
0: you don't have to (laughs) I hope you don't have, I hope no one ever has to fire anyone. It is it is just horrible, especially when you do consider them your friend and when you are also close in age. It's hard. Mm-hmm. It's very hard. Not even just firing, but like you said that you have someone that's older than you mm-hmm. that works in your team. Has that been like an issue at all? Have you like it's is it bizarre being the superior to someone older than you?
1: It's weird, like kind of going back to imposter syndrome, but thankfully it hasn't been like like, no, I've never felt weird about it when we're like all as a team. Cause the thing is like, I don't really lead as like, I'm the boss. You do what I say. Like, that's not really this what I've ever done. And so a lot of times, like since we are such a small team, we all have very, very individual roles that like very specific roles that we're kind of experts in and good at and all of that. So I really do trust my team with like, okay, if you're the front end developer I'm not going to tell you, oh, do this, do this, do this, because like, I know, I know how to run your job better than you. It's very collaborative. I'm like, I'm like, okay, these features need to get out or these bugs need to be fixed. And then he's the one telling me, okay, yeah, I'm going to work on it. And they'll be done by this time. And this is the way to do it. And it's very collaborative. It's not really like me just like demanding like a list of tasks or anything like that. So with the whole team, it's been like that,
0: which has been good. That's amazing. And did you ever envision yourself in the tech industry?
1: Um, no. So I studied engineering. So I guess it's kind of like tech related in a way. Um, and I, but I never thought that I would do like a startup or an app or anything like that. Like I, I didn't think I'd ever have to work with like developers or anything like that was never what I had thought. Um, but I always knew I wanted to start my own business, but I just didn't know what that would look like. So it's been weird actually being like literally a tech startup. Like I'm like, Whoa, that's weird. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah, and so right now, Rella is free purchase, right? Yep. So it's free download. It's totally free. Um, we're adding like additional
1: features in the future, which will be you know paid subscriptions. But everything you see right now will be free forever. So anything added will be you know pay underpaid subscriptions
0: that we're working on right now. But right now it's a free app, and it's always going to be free. So there'll just be different. I love that. And the features are amazing right now. Thank you. So right now, with it all being free, how is Rela being monetized?
1: So it's not. So that's one thing. So it's okay. not monetized right now, which is why you know we need one funding. And then also we're planning on monetizing it though soon. So we're releasing new features in the next few weeks, um,
0: which will be paid subscriptions. So the monetization will happen yep. soon. I love that though, because I feel like so many new and young entrepreneurs that are just starting out, maybe they have an idea or a concept, they immediately think like, okay, how can I make money right away? Mm -hmm. But it's not about planting the tree. It's about creating a forest. So once you see the bigger idea of like, okay, well, like right now, maybe it won't make money or maybe in the first year I won't be able to pay myself, or maybe even the first five years won't be able to pay myself. But I see the 15, the 20, the 25, the 30-year vision of where I want this platform to be. And I think to all entrepreneurs starting out you just have to think big. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And so none of the founders are paying
1: themselves right now. So we're all like, I obviously support myself through like YouTube, Instagram, like social media. Um, my co-founders have like these like part-time pretty much like their full-time rela part-time others. So like, I felt really bad. They're like working. So, I mean, all of us are working a lot of hours, like me, them, we're all working a lot of hours, but they have like another thing that is paying them. Um, and then we're paying, like, obviously, the people that work with us on our team. So the team is, are the only people that are getting paid.
0: But that's the reality. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's always talked about, but that really is the reality. Like, when you want to be an entrepreneur and have a startup or a brick and mortar, whatever it might be, you... You do have to like sign up for that life, you know. You do have to work other jobs. You do have to get income from somewhere else until the company is doing well enough where the founders can be paid, and that's just the reality of it. Right, and it's. I mean, it also shows like how much we believe in
1: what we're building because we would not do this <laughs> if we didn't believe we would get like paid out in the end, you know, like that it would be successful in the end. So it's. It also just shows like how much we believe in it and how much we want it to be successful too.
0: Yes, absolutely. And how did you come up with the name? I love the name. Thank
1: you. Yeah. So our designers actually helped with that. We were telling them we wanted a name that I'm so bad at names. So I was like, I want a name that is like about relationships. Cause I just felt like social media was very like transactional. And I was like, I want social media to feel more like relationships and like relatable and um, authentic. And I wanted it to sound like a person's name, but not a person's name. Like I didn't want it to be like Alexa or something. Cause that I just wanted it to be like a unique name, but I wanted it to sound like it could be a human because then I want us to feel like very community centered and like, like people behind the screen. And I just wanted our company to be very, very personable and authentic and like building relationships with our community. And so with all of those words and sayings and stuff, they just came up with like five different words that sounded good. And Rella was my favorite one. I was like, Oh my God, I love Rella. It like flows off the tongue. It's There's nothing else called Rella that I've found. Like there's like small things, but nothing big. Like when you search Rella, we're the first ones that come up. So I wanted it to be like SEO friendly um, sound, good, easy to say, easy to pronounce no matter like what language you're speaking. And yeah, Rella was
0: was the one that stuck. I love that. It's an amazing name. And I've been wanting to ask you that because as soon as like I downloaded it, started using it, I was like, I really like this name. It's it's cute. It's catchy. It's adorable. It's a great name. Thank you. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. So um, on the influencing side of you as a multifaceted individual, do you think that having a career outside of just being an influencer has actually helped your content as an influencer?
1: Oh my god, totally! I like don't know what I would yeah. talk about if I <laughs> if I didn't. I'm like, wait, what would I like be doing all day? <laughs> yeah. Um. So yes, definitely, it's it's helped so much. Like even when I was in school, um, and I would film like school content, like that was helpful. When I had a job at Accenture and I was filming like. The corporate vlogs and all of that like that was really helpful. Um so I think like people want to see so many different sides of you. Like they don't just want to see like YouTube you or like influencer you. They want to see like your interests and your hobbies and different things that you're doing.
0: Yes, I totally agree. And I feel like so many people quit their jobs to be a full-time influencer, which we see everywhere. Like you did it, I've done it, like so many people do it. Mm-hmm. And then it just sort of becomes this like lifestyle that's now unrelatable and like dare I say empty because it's it's just like you're just an influencer not that it's like a hard or an easy job, but there's no like content to your days anymore. Your content is going out to create content. So it's like, let me get my nails done, have a perfect morning routine, do all these sorts of things. But I think people really want to see influencers that have careers and side hustles and other jobs because it's relatable and inspiring. Exactly. Especially when your
1: content is filming your life. Like, okay, if you have a niche where it's like not about your life and you're like, reporting the news or like you're commentating on things or doing like story times or whatever it is, you know, then, okay. People don't really care what you do day to day, but like if your stuff is day to day, it's more interesting when you have other stuff going on, I think. And I don't know, more, more fun to watch.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. Um, Natalie, you have been like, I could literally talk to you for five more hours, just about all things business, but this has been such a pleasure having you on the show today. Thank
1: you so much. It was so much fun. I love doing this podcast with you.
0: Oh, thank you. Where can people find you? How can they download Rella? Let us know everything. Yep.
1: So you can find me at Natalie Barbu across all social media platforms. Um, You can download Rella on the app store and on Android. So on Google play as well. And I also have a podcast called the real, real
0: podcast. So you can listen there. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on and please come back anytime you'd like. Yay. Thanks guys. I want to thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Please be sure to go show Natalie lots of love download Rella. If you are an influencer and I just know that you guys are going to love it. I use the app and I personally love it. It just helps me stay very organized. You get to see your grid. Um, you get to plan out your ideas. I really, really love Rella. I think it's a genius app and I'm just in awe of her and what she was able to accomplish at such a young age. And her story is incredibly inspiring. And I hope you guys listening to this episode, just feel kind of like a fire under you and know that you can do this too. Whatever idea you have, it can come to fruition And yeah, it was just amazing talking to her. So please go download the app, show her lots of love. And I'll talk to all of you guys in my next episode. Have a wonderful Monday and I'll talk to you guys soon. Bye guys.